welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. That to happen if that's what you would desire. The rest of us, let's go ahead and turn our Bibles. Go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 1. As is the nature of this series, as I said last week, is we're not drilling down into one particular passage each week. Uh, but we're seeing these uh, grand themes that go across the Scripture. In fact, uh, these are five themes that have been used to describe and, and used to articulate uh, the Reformation uh, that was sparked uh, in, in, in past generations, centuries ago, but is most explicitly marked to uh, October 31st, 1517, when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis on the door of the church in Wittenberg. And, and as folks over the centuries have distilled what was the Reformation all about, uh, they've distilled it into these five solas, these five alones, that it's according to Scripture alone, uh, it's, uh, it's according to grace alone, through faith alone, and the finished work of Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And, and essentially, this is a way to describe the gospel, is how are you saved and you proclaim that according to the Scripture, according to the very Word of God alone, according to the authority of Scripture, it's by grace alone, God's gift alone, through the finished work of Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, that anyone can be saved. And so that's what we've been looking at. These are grand themes that go across Scripture. This is something the Reformers came up with, but these are things we see throughout Scripture. And so what we're going to do this morning is go through several Scriptures, but as I just read, we began in Romans chapter 1, so that would be a great place to start. If you're like me, uh, there are some days when you feel really good about yourself. You feel really good about your life, um, and it is other days that you are not quite sure about yourself or not so quite sure about your life. Some days I feel like a really good parent, other days not so much. Any parents been there before? Some days you feel like a really good, insert your profession there, or insert whatever you mark your identity as. Some days you feel really good, and some days you feel like you have everyone fooled. Your justification about who you are, your confidence in who you are, your conviction of who you are often wavers. Am I good enough? Am I accepted? Am I valued? Am I loved? Or some of the questions that you might find yourself asking throughout your day when you consider your performance. All of the holes in our life, all of the holes in our character often make it feel, perhaps you can identify, I feel like this sometimes, perhaps you feel like this sometimes, all of the holes in your life and all of the problems with your character that still aren't refined, you feel like you are holding on to your standing, your confidence and your self-assurance, but you feel like you're trying to hold that like a basket can hold water. You understand what we mean by that, that nothing seems to be sticking, nothing seems to be making much of anything, that, that we try to present our worth, but it always seems to be slipping through the cracks. Do you ever feel like that? I know I do, and maybe your Christian walk feels like that sometimes. Sometimes you're on fire and resting in grace, and other days you wonder if God made a mistake or if you made a mistake in a very profound way. Please know this, you're not the only one in the room that's felt like that. 
And you are not the only one throughout the course of history who has felt that. In fact, the, the, the person that we tie a lot of the Reformation to, by the way, Martin Luther did say, I did nothing, the Word of God did everything. So we're not trying to exalt this person. But nevertheless, in a very profound way, Martin Luther himself was overwhelmed with the righteousness of God. He knew his own sinful heart, and the righteousness of God made him dread God. He knew he stood condemned, and he was driven to despair. All of the goodness that he tried to build up, all of the worth that he tried to build up, all of the righteousness that he tried to build up in order to present to God some sort of justification seemed to be slipping through the cracks, much like water would slip through the cracks of a basket if you tried to hold water in a basket. So even a monk, he was a monk, could not measure up. And so we often wondered, how could a sinner ever be right before a holy God? And how could God demand righteousness from sinful humanity? For him, it just seemed unfair. So you can imagine a religion like this which would leave you feeling okay some days when you were really good. And other days, it would leave you in despair. So with all that in mind, here is a word for today. Yes, we are talking about faith alone. And particularly, we're talking about justification by faith alone. And so that's one of our big questions this morning is what is justification? And does our justification waver based on our performance as it often does when we consider our own work, our own home, our own responsibilities as parents or whatever it might be? Or can I have peace and confidence in my just standing before a holy God. Is there a way? Here's a big question that I want us to think about today. Let's sum, sum all of that up. Is there a way for me to be justified that doesn't depend upon me? Is there a way for me to be justified that doesn't depend upon me? And let me go ahead and give you the answer to that question. The answer is yes, that we are justified by faith alone. And that was the storm center of the Reformation. Luther said the following of justification, particularly justification by faith alone, sola fide, by faith alone. And this is the truth of the gospel, he said. It is also the principal article of all Christian doctrine, wherein the knowledge of all godliness consisteth. Most necessary it is, therefore, that we should know this article well, justification by faith alone, that article he's talking about. Teach it unto others, and you're ready for this, beat it into their heads continually. We cannot get enough of this, is what he's saying. We must beat this into our heads continually and never lose this article that we are saved, we are justified by faith alone. This was the eye of the storm of the Reformation. The truth from which the entire movement gained increasing strength was the truth of justification by faith alone. Even more particularly, it was justification by faith alone, as we'll talk about next week in the work of Christ alone. The reason we're in the letter of Romans. The letter of Romans was of particular comfort to Luther and is of particular comfort to us today. It was Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17 that really helped him to understand that the righteous, the righteous shall live by faith and what that means. So, so here's, here's the path for today. All that by 
by way of introducing this, here's the path today. We're going to walk through Romans a little bit and see what the Apostle Paul says, that the Pauline epistle, Romans, says about justification by faith alone. We're going to take a couple detours along the way, so I hope you're ready. We're going to take some side excursions. I hope you paid for those on this trip. Uh, Side excursions into Galatians for a minute, Hebrews chapter 11, and James chapter 2, if you're taking notes. Those are some texts that you can have before you. Romans chapter 1, the first thing I want you to know is... What the Bible says, Scripture alone says, that the righteous shall live by faith. Let's hear again Romans 1, 16 and 17. This was crucial. This was like the hinge from which Luther and the Reformation of what we have today, where we proclaim the gospel, not a new teaching, but recovering the teaching of the early church that had been covered up by years and centuries of corruption. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This was the passage that particularly captured Martin Luther. If justification by faith alone was the storm center of the Reformation, this was the verse that ignited it all. For Luther, understanding the holiness of God and sinfulness of man was overwhelming. How could a monk like him, how could anyone stand before a holy God? I'm going to give some personal testimony from Luther here because, not to elevate him, but I think you can probably identify with this. Righteous shall live by faith. The prevailing teacher of the church, teaching of the church was, quote unquote, infused grace. That's what Luther came up under. Or the grace of God that puts a sinner in such a place that he might become righteous. In other words, God gives him grace and then based on the sinner's performance, perhaps when he stands before, he, him or her stands before the judgment seat of God, perhaps he will be justified enough, perhaps his basket will be full enough that he can present that before the Lord and say, well done, good and faithful servant, you are justified by a holy God. So Luther struggled with this particular phrase, the righteousness of God, and he wrote, nevertheless, In spite of the ardor of my heart, I was hindered by the unique word of the first chapter of Romans. The righteousness of God is revealed in it. Listen to what he says. I hated the word righteousness of God because in accordance with the usage and custom of the doctors, I had been taught to understand it philosophically, talking what I just said, this infused grace, as they put it, according to which God is righteous and punishes sinners and the unjust. As a monk, he writes, I led an irreproachable life. Nevertheless, I felt that I was a sinner before God. My conscience was restless, and I could not depend on God being propitiated by my satisfactions. Not only did I not love, listen to what he says, but I actually hated the righteousness of God who punishes sinners. Thus a furious battle raged within my perplexed conscience. But meanwhile, I was knocking at the door of this particular Pauline passage, Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, earnestly seeking to know the mind of the great apostle. 
Day and night I tried to meditate upon the significance of these words. The righteousness of God is revealed in it as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Here's what he goes on to write. After much years of prayer, meditation, and struggle, Luther discovered the true meaning of God's word. Here's what he says. Then finally God had mercy on me. And I began to understand that the righteousness of God is a gift. It's by grace alone. It's a gift of God by which a righteous man lives, namely faith. And that sentence, the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel, is passive, indicating that the merciful God justifies us by faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now I felt as though I had been reborn altogether and had entered paradise. In the same moment, the face of the whole scripture became apparent to me. My mind ran through the scriptures, scripture alone, as far as I was able to recollect them, seeking analogies and other phrases such as the work of God by which he makes us strong, the wisdom of God by which he makes us wise, the strength of God, the salvation of God, the glory of God. And just as intensely as I now hated the expression, the righteousness of God, I now lovingly praise the most pleasant word. The passage from Paul became to me the very gate of paradise. Because he realized that in Romans chapter 1, that this is revealed with the good news of the gospel. This is good news that the righteousness of God is revealed because it is revealed how? It begins and ends not based on your performance, not based on works. For in it, listen to this, Romans 1.17, don't believe Luther, believe the word of God. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Here's what he discovered. Here's what the word proclaims. Here's what had been covered over for years. That righteousness, just standing before a holy God in the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, The righteousness of God is revealed and it begins and ends with faith. Simply trusting. That is good news for sinners who don't often perform well. That the good news is his righteousness is revealed and it begins and ends with faith. Now let's say a word about faith and then we'll turn to Romans chapter 3 as we continue working through some of these key passages in Romans. So, so what does that mean? Faith is the opposite of depending upon ourselves. Faith is the opposite of depending upon ourselves. Faith is trusting in the Lord. It's believing in the Lord. Here's what faith means. There's, there's kind of three tiers when, when people speak of faith. One, it is to know information. It's to be aware of the truth. Faith is to believe that truth. To not only know the information, but believe the information and be convinced that the information is true. But we know the scripture says that even the demons believe. They know the truth of who Christ is. They believe who Christ is, but they do not trust in Christ for salvation, for righteousness. No, it's not enough just to know the truth and to believe that truth is true. We must trust the information. And so when we talk about faith, we're talking about that we trust, that we stake our lives 
on that information that we trust that the work of Christ is enough for our salvation. We don't just know that doctrinally. We don't just believe that to be true, but we trust it with our very lives. So faith is the opposite of depending upon ourselves. So what opens our Luther's eyes was that he doesn't have to rely on his own performance to have right standing before God. He must simply rely and believe and trust wholeheartedly in the work of Christ. So, justification comes through faith alone. There's a word about faith. Now let's see something else, that this righteousness comes, let's keep building on this, apart from the law. Turn to Romans chapter 3. We'll start in verse 21. Like I said, we're not going to drill down deep into these, but I want you to see this across the scope of the Scripture, and hopefully our hearts will rejoice in what Christ has done for us by grace through faith. Romans 3, 21. So here's the righteousness that is a a gift. The righteous shall live by faith, and this is a, a gift. But now the righteousness of God has been made manifest has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, much like Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 proclaims. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. And so again, this is not just one verse that Martin Luther or we eisegete and say, see, the righteous shall live by faith. This is the message of the Scripture, and this is the message of Romans, is it not? That righteousness is manifest apart from the law, and it is received through faith. And do you see what it says in verse 24? That's something you can circle and underline in, in, the, in, our, in our Bibles. We're justified by faith, receive it through faith, and all is by His grace as a gift. Namely, the gift of His Son, Jesus whom he put forward as the propitiation for our sin. Here's what I want you to know, that this righteousness that's received through faith is a gift righteousness. It's a righteousness not from us, but given to us as a gift. It's a righteousness that's been imputed to us, that's been credited to our account based on the work of Christ, as it says in Romans chapter 3. Are you saved by works? In a sense, yes, but not yours the work of Christ, and the work of Christ alone, not your works. And so we're justified by faith alone, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 3, this is received as a gift, and you know that if you receive something as a gift, it, even, it either comes as a gift or as a result of your performance. It's either by a wage or it's given as a gift. Righteousness is received not because of something you earned, but because the wages of sin is death and all fall short of the glory of God. So if you got what you earned, you would receive death and eternal condemnation. But as it goes by faith, as we cling to Christ and trust in Christ, we receive salvation as a gift. We get what Christ has earned, credited to our account. So righteousness is a gift. Another thing I want you to see that the scriptures declare about righteousness 
is that we are actually counted righteous, that we are declared righteous before the Lord. Look at Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. We'll read some of this. And if you're a Bible scholar, I, I know there's so much more we could say here. But for the sake of our time together, let's just read some of this. What then shall we say, verse 1, was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? By the way, this is not just a New Testament thing. People have always been saved and counted righteousness according to faith. Here's what it says. Abraham believed God, and it was counted... It's a big word, counted, imputed to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So David says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sins. And so not only are we justified, made righteous by faith alone, and not only is this a gift, but namely the gift is that we are counted righteous before a holy God. That we don't, desert, we don't receive what we deserve, but we receive what Christ has earned. Faith is counted as righteousness by trusting him, clinging to him in faith. We get what was due him. He gets our sin. We get his life. That's good news. We are justified by faith alone. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Here's the side excursion that I said I hope you paid for. Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. What does this mean to be counted righteous? I think it means a couple things. One, our, our sin is removed from us as far as the east is from the west. And not only are we declared clean, not, clean, not only is our sin removed from us as far as the east is from the west, but we are actually declared to be right before the Lord. We're not just declared morally neutral and now left to fill up our basket of good works to hopefully gain right standing before the Lord. We are justified before the Lord. For all who rely, Galatians 3.10, we're counted righteous. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written. So if you're, you're relying on your works, religious works or whatever works, good works, you remain under a curse. But cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and to do them. If you're going to do them, you've got to do them perfectly. There's got to be no holes in your basket. Now it is evident that the one who justified, the one who is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. For the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promise through faith. 
And so what Paul's declaring here in his letter to the Galatians, if we try to seek justification by the law, we stand condemned unless we keep it perfectly. We don't live by the law. We live by faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. And now we receive the promised blessing through faith. Because he has become a curse for us, we now receive the blessing that was promised in Abraham. So yes, yes, by faith our sins are forgiven and removed from us as far as the east is from the west. And yes, brothers and sisters, we are declared righteous. His righteousness is imputed to our account. It is, the Bible would say, reckoned to our account. And God reckons us righteous by believing in what he has done for us and simply trusting. Christ in Christ, the curse is removed and righteousness is received and you are actually declared righteous. Not relying on works, but relying on the work of Christ. So the Bible isn't saying, okay, I'll save you. Now let's see what you got. Justification is declared in the courtroom of heaven that you are covered in the blood of Christ so that when God the just looks upon us, he sees the blood of Christ. He sees the work of his son just as he saw in the Passover. He passed over the people of God, not on the basis of their work, but the basis of the blood of the lamb that was painted upon their doorpost. And he passed them over because of the work of the lamb. Because of the sacrifice of the Lamb, so it goes, brothers and sisters, that we walk free. We're declared clean because of the work of the perfect Passover Lamb. That's good news. The world needs to hear that in a world seeking identity, in a world seeking some sort of justification. We get to proclaim the good news. Come to Jesus. Come under his blood. Come under his work. And you are declared righteous based on the work of Christ. It almost seems too good to be true, but the Bible is clear. It rests on grace. It rests on grace. Romans chapter 4, verses 16 through 25. Let's read part of that. Verse 16. So it's a righteousness that's credited to us. You are actually declared righteous in the courtroom of heaven. Because Christ is perfect, now you're covered in the perfect blood of Christ. Not based on your works, but the work of Christ. Christ alone. Romans 16, so it's a righteousness that's a gift. It's a righteousness that's counted to us. It's a righteousness that rests on grace. It's given by grace, and it rests on grace. It never stops being grace. Please understand that. It never stops being grace. Don't work the Christian life backwards. It's grace from beginning to end. His grace will bring you all the way home. When you look at your performance as a Christian, if you are in Christ, God has justified you. And it's all grace. Verse 16. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace. And be guaranteed to all his offspring. Verse 21. He goes on to say. Be fully convinced 
that God was able to do what he had promised. That's why his faith, talking about Abraham, was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Thus says the word of the Lord. That it rests on grace. So that you, much like Abraham who believed, this was written for you also. For all who believe, believe in the work of Christ who was delivered up for our trespasses, who, raised, who was raised from the dead for our justification. This is yours in Christ Jesus. By faith, it's a gift that rests on grace. By grace, through faith, we are reckoned to be righteous by nothing but the work of Christ. Galatians chapter 2. Listen to what the Word of God says. Galatians 2.16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, this was not something that was just eisegeted in one passage. This is the declaration of the Scriptures. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. No one, not you, not anyone, nobody can be justified by works of law. It is all by faith, and it depends upon faith. It depends on faith. It rests on grace. And listen to this. Since all of this is true, that you're justified by faith alone, declared righteous before God, declared righteous before a holy God, you can see how this opened Luther's eyes to rejoice in the Lord. I rejoice in the righteousness of God because I stand as a sinner condemned, but someone has stood in my place, namely Christ Jesus, so I can stand in the presence of a holy God. I can approach the throne of grace based on the work of Christ alone. I can be declared righteous by grace, through faith alone. Isn't this glorious? Listen to this treasure. Romans chapter 5. You can turn there or just listen. Listen to the treasure of being justified by faith alone. Therefore, since we have been, so he's made this appeal, we're justified by faith alone. Since we have been justified by faith alone, this is Romans 5.1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a treasure. You have peace with God, a holy God. You, a sinner, is now a friend and child of God. You have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not wavering dependent upon your works. It's dependent on the work of Christ alone. So you don't have to go through your day. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Justification by faith alone says he loves you based on the work of Christ. You don't have to wonder anymore. He loves you. Through him also. We have obtained access. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand in this grace and we rejoice. It fills our hearts with joy because now we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We no longer cower in fear at the glory of God. Yes, in a reverent way, but yes, in a confidence that we are welcomed in to his presence 
through the work of Christ alone. So we rejoice in the hope of glory of God. And not only that, but we even rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. We have hope. We have character. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. We have peace. We have hope. We have joy. We have security for we are loved in Christ. And yes, we live by this faith. Romans chapter 6, verse 20 through 23. We might go a little quicker through these parts. So we have this treasure, and with this treasure, we now live by faith. Romans chapter 6, verses 20 through 23. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time for the things which you now are shamed? For the end of those things and death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the point of that passage. Now that we've been justified by faith and have this great treasure having been justified by faith, we now live by faith. That this faith, this life we now live, this justified life we now live, will produce works. James talked about this, the half-brother of Jesus. James chapter 2, Martin Luther had very much trouble with this passage. He even called James the epistle of straw because James says this, He says, not to complicate matters, but to bring this before your eyes, because you will find this in Scripture. It says, we are justified by works and not faith alone. Wait, what's he saying there? You're justified by works, not faith alone. But but if we get the scope of Scripture, what James is saying, what he's declaring there, is that faith without works is dead. And someone like Luther, someone like Paul would agree with that. Romans 6, he says that. If you are slaves, you're now a slave to righteousness. If you've truly tasted and seen this treasure, you will now live by faith. One one man gave a, a simple explanation like this. Let me say two things. One, justified in the sense that James is using. He's saying that our faith will be demonstrated through works. That true faith is not producing salvation, but it's Proving your salvation. Let me give you a few um, equations that might help understand this. Faith plus works equals justification. No. We're not justified based on faith and works. No. Faith plus nothing is justification. By faith alone, yes. But maybe even more so, I like how one man put it. He says faith equals justification plus works. Now, you can write that down and and go think about that later. That true faith means you truly are justified, and true faith means that we will live by faith. The Westminster Confession of Faith put it like this. Faith, thus receiving and resting on Christ and His righteousness, is the alone instrument of justification. Yet it is not alone in the person justified, but is ever accompanied with all other saving graces, and is no dead faith, but worketh by faith love. So faith does come along with works, but works aren't producing justification. It comes out of the life that has been justified before the Lord. So faith without works is, is dead. We're called to trust in faith. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, 
and we cling to Christ alone, but a life that clings to Christ alone lives for Christ alone. Now, we would take an excursus into Hebrews chapter 11. You can go, that's probably one of the most faith, famous faith chapters in all of the Bible, where it says that faith is the assurance of hope, things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, and it goes through the hall of faith. So, so by faith, we live for the future, not only for the now, but for the future. But let's go ahead and go to Romans chapter 8. So yes, faith is accompanied with works, but the works don't produce justification. One of the final things I want you to see is by faith, we stand justified. Those he calls, he justifies, and those he justifies, he will glorify. God does this. By faith, we can face our past, present, and future. Maybe this is where we need to start applying. Romans 8, 31. What shall we say to these things? If we are truly justified by grace alone through faith alone, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, which he is in Christ, if you're covered with the blood of Christ, you get this, right? If God is for you, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who has justified you. That's what the book says. It is God who has justified you. It is God who has blotted out your sins, the times of refreshing that may come from the presence of the Lord. It is God who justifies you, who has removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. No charge stands against you. Past, present, or future. I don't know what your past holds. The Lord does. You do. And perhaps you still stand condemned from the life you once lived. But the Bible declares that if you have trusted in him by faith alone, you are not justified by your works and you are not condemned by your works for he has blotted them out. He has gone to the cross for you. He has canceled the record of debt that stood against you and God has justified you and no charge can stand against you. Not even one you throw against yourself. Nothing shall stand against you. Nothing in your past. Past sin, past failures. We can face those with assurance because we have hope and peace in Christ. He justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. He was condemned for you. He was cursed for you. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. So presently, he's interceding for you can face whatever tomorrow might bring and what today might bring because your past has been cleared in Christ. Your future is secure. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ in for the love in Christ Jesus? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or elections, nothing shall separate you. For in him we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us now, presently. For I am sure that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things present, whatever you see on your feed in the news, nor things present, nor things to come, 
not even the unseen, not even powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because God has done it. God has justified you. God has secured you. And you are safe in the arms of Jesus. Justification by faith alone. The storm center of the Reformation. A truth that we must safeguard in this generation and for future generations. Who would not want to tell that truth? That sinners are no longer stand condemned. For all who believe, this is the power of God unto salvation. For in the gospel, in the good news, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. And so now, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, let's not get the gospel backwards and think somehow we're saved by grace, and then we must prove it and earn it, I should say, by works. Yes, our works do show the fruit of our salvation, but let's stand secure. So now, as it were, as we stood, I told you in the beginning, if you're like me, you often feel like you're trying to hold your life in a basket and through all of the cracks of your life and your weakness in your struggles and the things that have not yet been made perfect, you feel like all you hold just seems to slip through and it causes you to doubt who you are, perhaps who you are in Christ. But something's different for those who have believed. For now we have this treasure in jars of clay so now not, not, not what's slipping through our lives is, is not now condemnation or there goes my chance of, of ever being loved or at peace or to have hope, to have assurance. There it goes. I, I just can't seem to build a record, a resume, to feel loved and accepted and to be enough. I feel like I'm not enough. And the scripture says, right, you're not. Christ is enough. His grace is sufficient for you. And those whom the Lord has shown the light of the gospel into our hearts, now in these jars of clay, now in these cracked, broken, messed up lives, what shines through are lights of the gospel to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. So that when we're afflicted, we're not crushed. When we're perplexed, we're not driven to despair. When we're persecuted, we're not forsaken. When we're struck down, we're not destroyed. For we're carrying in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be manifested in our bodies. So we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so that death is at work in us, but life in you. And so now we, we stand still struggling as sinners, but what shines through our life is the glory of God. What shines through our life, what shines through our brokenness, is a person who has found peace, a person who no longer stands condemned, 
a person who can face the past, who can face anything present, anything in the future. Though suffering may come, we know it's producing something. We can say with the old hymn, my faith has found a resting place. Not in device nor creed, I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. Enough for me that Jesus saves. This ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I come to him. He shall never cast me out. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It's enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Let's pray.